0: Hello, I'm Michael Novogratic, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, July 11th, 2017. We're back from our July 4th hiatus, and we have a very newsworthy podcast for you this week. For starters, a historical note, nine years ago today, the Senate passed a bill, a bill that would ultimately become the Housing and Economic Recovery Act of 2008, or HERA. The bill was signed into law later that month by President George W. Bush, HERA was designed to help the housing economy recover after the national mortgage crisis. The sweeping bill made several changes to the historic tax credit, the low-income housing tax credit, and tax-exempt housing bond rules. It also provided a temporary 20-cent increase in the low-income housing tax credit cap. In addition, HERA authorized the Housing Trust Fund and created the Capital Magnet Fund. That's a fund within the City of Five Fund. I have an announcement about the upcoming round, by the way, of the Capital Magnet Fund later in the podcast. Now, let's turn to this week's tax credit news. In our general section, I'll talk about the status of a budget resolution, health care reform, and the timing of tax reform. I'll also share the results of our Twitter poll, where we ask followers what they think will happen with tax reform this year. After that, I'll go over some updates from the House Appropriations Committee. In Low-Income Housing Tax Credit news, I'll outline the Federal Housing Finance Agency's proposed annual housing goals for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Next, I'll share news about our updated Rent and Income Limit Calculator. Then, I'll outline a bill that would authorize full funding for public housing programs. And in other HUD news, I'll talk about the updated Section 8 Renewal Policy Guide and where it can be downloaded. After that, I'll briefly discuss a California bill that would create a permanent affordable housing fund. In New Markets Tax Credit news, I'll share the Treasury's invitation for public comment on the New Markets Tax Credit allocation application. Then, I'll talk about upcoming deadlines for the latest Capital Magnet Fund round. And in Historic Tax Credit news, I'll have two state updates. In Missouri, a governor-appointed panel made recommendations about the future of the state Loan housing Tax Credit and the state Historic Tax Credit and in Michigan, a bill was introduced to reestablish that state's historic tax credit. So, if you're ready, let's get started. In general news, there's a chance that the House Budget Committee may mark up its fiscal year 2018 budget resolution this week. This is according to a statement by House Budget Committee Chairwoman Diane Black. Black said last week that she expects a 1% cut of mandatory spending during the 10-year budget window contained in the bill. Now some argue that cuts to mandatory programs under a fiscal year 2018 budget resolution could be extremely problematic for tax reform. Disagreement over budget cuts could create a political standoff when it comes time to address tax reform. Now, Remember, Republicans are planning to pass a 2018 budget resolution with reconciliation instructions that would facilitate Senate passage of a tax reform bill. Now, a group of 20 moderate House Republicans did write House Speaker Paul Ryan a letter last month asking him for a budget delay until Senate Republicans in their deliberations on health care reform. So what's the latest news on that end, the Senate deliberations on health care reform? Well, political says not to expect a Senate vote on health care this week, and I agree. Now, the Senate GOP leaders are still working and drafting a bill, a bill that would need to carry 50 votes, all Republican votes. Plus, the Congressional Budget Office is reviewing legislative language on health care reform that was sent by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell before they went on their recess. I should also note Senator Pat Toomey from Pennsylvania on Wednesday of last week did say that a vote in the Senate is still several weeks away. Obviously, a lot of legislative and procedural roadblocks stand in the way of tax reform. And with that in mind, we posted this poll question on Twitter, what will happen with tax reform in 2017? And we gave three choices. One, permanent and comprehensive tax reform will happen. Two, there will be temporary tax cuts. Or three, nothing will happen. Any guesses on the results? Well, 68% of you said that nothing will happen with tax reform before the end of this calendar year. 32% of you think temporary tax cuts will be made and no one who responded to our poll thinks permanent and comprehensive tax reform will happen. Our Twitter poll results fall roughly in the same range as expectations made on the prediction website Predict it. I shared those predicted results on Twitter last week and I reviewed the results on PredictIt from yesterday and they're up to 40 percent of users on PredictIt thinking that there'll be a corporate tax rate cut by the end of 2017. So our poll results were 32%, predicted says about 40%. I personally think the chances are much higher, but as we get closer to the end of the year, certainly my percentages are changing as well. By the way, the House Ways and Means Tax Policy Subcommittee will hold a hearing on tax reform this Thursday, July 13th. That hearing will focus on job creation and small businesses. To the extent there's some relevant matters, uh, coming out of that hearing, we'll report on them again next week in our Tax Credit Tuesday podcast. Now, in addition to tax reform, the other big item on the congressional agenda is passing appropriations funding before the October 1st start of the next fiscal year. I have a couple of updates on that process that could affect our listeners. First, a House subcommittee approved an appropriations bill last month that totals billion dollars for funding of the Treasury Department as well as the IRS and various other finance related independent agencies. That amount is nearly 1.3 billion dollars less than the enacted level for 2017 and it's about 2.5 billion dollars less than the President's budget request. Now the bill would provide 190 million dollars for the CDFI Fund. That's 176 million dollars more Than the fiscal year 2018 request by the president, but it's still $58 million less than the enacted level for fiscal year 2017. CDFI Fund administrative expenses would get about $23 million, which is $9 million more than the president's request, but $3 million less than that enacted for 2017. Also, the CDFI Fund Bond Guarantee Program That program would get the same authorization level as the fiscal year 2018 request and enact the 2017 level, and that's $500 million. The Appropriations Bill would also cut the IRS budget by $149 million from the fiscal year 2017 level. The bill also includes several provisions related directly to the IRS. One of those provisions affects some historic tax credit investors under the appropriations bill there's a limitation specifically funds made available to the IRS cannot be used by the IRS to enforce listed transaction regulations on conservation easement transactions entered into before January 23rd 2017 Now, as you may know some conservation easements are placed on historic buildings buildings that may also generate historic tax credits so what this rule would do, if enacted, is create a safe harbor from the listed regulation transactions for those conservation easements entered into before January twenty third, 2017. So I should note, as an aside, if you have made any conservation easement donations or been involved in conservation easement transactions, whether or, whether or not they're closed before or after January twenty third, 2017, you should contact your tax advisor to determine and assess the appropriate reporting for those transactions. Now, the appropriations bill still needs to be addressed by the full House Appropriations Panel, as well as the Senate. I'll keep you updated on its status as it moves forward. In other appropriations subcommittee news, a bill markup is on the calendar for the Transportation, Housing, and Urban Development and Related Agency Subcommittee, or THUD. That markup is scheduled for tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. In affordable housing news, the Federal Housing Finance Agency, or FHFA, recently proposed its annual housing goals for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. The goals are for 2018 through the year 2020. These goals are important because they include the number of low-income multifamily properties for which Fannie and Freddie expect to provide mortgages. The proposal says Fannie and Freddie will provide mortgages for 315,000 low-income multifamily apartments per year. That's an increase of 15,000 of four rental homes per year over the current goal. The number of small multifamily properties for very low income and low income families would remain the same. The goals there are 60,000 for very low income mortgages and 10,000 for low income mortgages. Of course, many of these mortgages would be for properties financed with low income housing tax credit equity. And don't forget that Fannie and Freddie were given conditional permission last December to make Low-Income Housing Tax Credit equity investments. I say conditional because additional FHFA review and approvals are needed, and those approvals and review are expected to limit the areas in which such equity investments can be made. The FHFA has requested comments on these proposed affordable housing goals, and you can see the FHFA's proposed goals at www.hudresourcecenter.com. In other affordable housing news, I'm very happy to announce Novogradic has finalized our 2017 Rent and Income Limit Calculator, so it's now available online. That's our free tool to calculate rent and income limits for affordable housing. The calculator has been updated to feature 2017 income limits including those for the home program that became effective June 14th. We've also adjusted calculations for properties with rural and national non-metro income qualifications. Now you may not know, but we also provide an Enhanced Rent and Income Limit Calculator, which allows users to save detailed property information, which means there would be no need to re-enter information each year or every time you go to the calculator. You could easily access prior year's income limits, and you can save historical utility allowance data. Now to use the Novogact Rent and Income Limit Calculator, go to www.novoco.com, And for more information on the enhanced version, of our written Income Limit Calculator contact Luck Lee in our Seattle office. In other affordable housing news Representative Maxine Waters and seven of her colleagues introduced a bill to authorize full funding for public housing programs. That includes a significant investment to address the backlog of capital needs. Now Waters is a Democrat from California and is the ranking member of the House Financial Services Committee. She said Her legislation would ensure safe, decent, and affordable housing for more than one million families who rely on public housing. Now Waters did introduce similar legislation back in 2015. This latest bill would authorize full funding for the public housing program, plus provide an additional $5 billion a year for capital needs. and would provide a loan guarantee for public housing agencies to attract outside investment, and would authorize a grant program to revitalize the most distressed public housing units. It would require one-for-one replacement when public housing units are sold or demolished, and it would increase tenant protections so residents can stay in communities if they want to. Now, as you may know, there is a backlog of more than $26 billion, that's billion with a B, worth of capital needs in public housing. HUD's runless Assistance Demonstration Program was created to help address that backlog you can visit www.hudresourcecenter.com to review the legislation. The title is Public Housing Tenant Protection and Reinvestment Act of 2017. Now, unfortunately, this bill is more of a messaging bill in the sense that given Republican control of Congress, it's not likely to become law, but it does lay out democratic priorities and policy objectives. In other HUD news, HUD released an updated Section 8 Renewal Policy Guide at the end of June. The Section 8 Renewal Guide assists those handling the renewal of expiring Section 8 HAP contracts. This year's version applies to renewal packages and amendment packages that are received by HUD or postmarked on or after July 28th. The guide replaces the last version, which was published in August of 2015. There are 27 revisions in the updated guide, as well as a reorganized and updated chapter on rent comparability studies, studies that we, by the way, do provide. Now, if you need a copy of the Section Rent Rural Policy Guide, go to www.hudresourcecenter.com. You can download it from there. And, maybe more importantly, if you have questions or comments about the guide, please contact my partner, Susan Wilson, in our Austin, Texas office. In state news, the California State Senate last week passed a bill that would create a permanent source of funding for affordable housing in California. The fund would assist both affordable rental and owner-occupied housing. Now, the Building Homes and Jobs Trust Fund would be funded by adding fees to the recording of certain real estate records. These fees are expected to generate about $250 million a year for affordable housing development and renovation. This bill, the Building Homes and Jobs Act, or SB-2, is now going to the Assembly for consideration. You can find the bill at www.taxcredithousing.com. In community development news, the Treasury Department is inviting comment on the New Markets Tax Credit Program allocation application. Now, this is a routine part of the Paperwork Reduction Act of 1995, but it's also an opportunity for those in the New Markets Tax Credit community to have their voices heard. There are no proposed changes from the current application, but comments can still be submitted. You can email your comments to pra at treasury.gov. Comments are going to be accepted until July 29th. And if you have additional questions or thoughts about the application, I encourage you to reach out to Brad Elphick in our Atlanta, Georgia office. He heads up our New Market Tax Credit Working Group. In other news, the of Fund has opened the fiscal year 2017 Funding Round for the Capital Magnet Fund. In this round, the CDFI Fund plans to make as much as $119.5 million in awards available. Now, The CDFI Fund administers the Competitive Capital Magnet Fund Awards to finance affordable housing, economic development, and community services. The objective is to attract private capital to economically distressed communities, including underserved rural areas. Now, I would like to highlight a few important dates for listeners to remember. The fiscal year 2017 application consists of two parts. The first part is submitting the SF-424 form through Grants.gov. The deadline for that part is July 28th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. That being said, the City 5 fund strongly encourages that all materials are submitted through Grants.gov at least three days before the deadline so at least three days before the deadline. Then, Capital Magnet Fund application materials must be submitted through the Awards Management Information System, or AMIS by August 31st at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Similarly, the CDFI Fund encourages the materials be submitted through AMIS at least three days before the deadline. So those deadlines again, July 28th for the application and August 31st for the application materials, even though they're asking for three days before, or July 25th, and August 28th. Now contact the CDFI Fund with any questions about the current round before August 29th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. That's the cutoff for questions on the current round. It also, by the way, happens for my birthday, so I won't forget that date. To learn more about the Capital Magnet Fund, you can go to www.novaco.com. and if you need assistance or have other questions about the Capital Magnet Fund, feel free to reach out to Novograd and Company. You can start with Dana Letzinger in our Long Beach, California office. In state historic tax credit news, a panel appointed by Missouri's governor has recommended reducing the state's historic tax credit and converting the state loan tax credit into a loan program. The panel also recommended making funding for both programs contingent on the annual state budget. Now Missouri has severe budget concerns, so Governor Eric Greitens appointed this panel to examine an overhaul of some of the state's main tax credits. Now let's start with the report's suggestions for the state Low Income Housing Tax Credit program. The state program would be converted into a low or no interest loan program for affordable housing construction. Now currently Missouri offers a 9% and 4% state Low Income Housing Tax Credit. The report stated that this change will result in the same amount of money being available for the construction of Low Income Housing. Furthermore, the committee recommended that the state repurchase outstanding localizing tax credits in exchange for state-issued bonds. The report said this proposal may save Missouri taxpayers $200 to $250 million over the next 10 years. We here at and Company are following these recommendations closely, and as they move, assuming they do, we will be providing additional analysis as to the possible effects and impacts of such changes. Now, let's turn to the State Historic Tax Credit Program. The panel is recommending that the State Historic Tax Credit Program and the State Brownfield Redevelopment Program be converted into a new State Rehabilitation Tax Credit Program. This new program would cut the current Historic Tax Credit cap from $140 million to $50 million. The panel also calls for a $2 million project cap. Finally, if the panel's recommendations become reality, the new Historic Tax Credit and the long Tax Credit Program or Lending Program would include five-year sunset provisions. Now, if you'd like to read the report, go to www.novaco.com. And if you have additional questions or concerns or other comments, please reach out to my partner, Mike Kressek. He's in our St. Louis office and, obviously, is following these changes very, very closely. So, let's turn now to a brighter note. A bill was introduced last month to restore the state-of-store tax credit in Michigan. Michigan had a state-of-store tax credit from 1999 until it expired back in 2011. This proposed tax credit would apply contributing commercial and residential properties in local historic districts. But there's a twist. For income-producing properties, the state credit would be an additional 5% to the 20% federal historic tax credit. Owner-occupied homes would not be eligible for the federal credit, but they could receive a 25% Michigan state credit. Now, the state credit would be effective at the beginning of 2018. The program would allow taxpayers to carry over the credit for up to 10 years and the legislation would allow a refund if the credit amount is less than $250,000, although for only 90% of the amount that would exceed a taxpayer's liability. This bill would bring back a proven state program. I say that because from 1999 to 2011, Michigan State Historic Tax Credit leveraged $71 million in credits that generated nearly $1.5 billion in investments. According to the Michigan Historic Preservation Network, the state tax credit also created 36,000 jobs over its 12-year run. Now, if you want to review the legislation, go to www.historictaxpreservations.com. The bill number is SB469. And if you'd like to learn more about using this potential credit in the state of Michigan, please contact my partner in our Michigan office, Tyler Gibbs. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Now, if you like the podcast, I encourage you, please take a moment, go to iTunes, and give us a five-star rating. We'd appreciate it very much. And as always, if you have suggestions for ways we can improve the podcast, please email us at cpas at That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik, and as always, thank you for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogradick and Company LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogradick and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.